When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And this is our Staying In Special. So look, with everything which is going on right now, we have been feeling pretty bleak, as I'm sure you have too. And we weren't at all sure that anyone needed to be hearing a podcast about interior design right now. But then I got this message through my Instagram. It's from Hannah Robinson, no relation. And she says... Hi Sophie, I work for London Ambulance Service in the control room and have been struggling to switch off. Just wanted to say a huge thank you. Listening to The Great Indoors is keeping me sane and giving me some calm. Well, you can imagine how that made us feel. And there have been so many other messages coming in along similar lines, which has just been amazing and also made me feel a bit awkward because, well, that's what I'm like. And then Ollie got in touch. Hi, Kate and Sophie. I'm Ollie from Manchester, and I'm a big fan of the podcast. Like lots of people across the country, I'm now working, living, sleeping, cooking, and everything else in the same relatively small flat. I was wondering whether you might produce a special episode on how to keep a home fresh throughout this time. How to deal with switching your house from home to office and back again over the course of the day, and how we might be able to make our homes feel a little bit different at the weekend. Something like this could really help us all keep sane while this is all going on. The Great Indoors has never been more important. Well, Ollie, when you put it like that, how could we refuse? So in this special episode, we'll be answering your design dilemmas and discussing ideas for keeping sane and staying calm when you're stuck indoors during these extremely strange times. On top of that, we've got a few ideas from some of the lovely guests who we've had on the show before. Thanks so much to all of you who sent in messages. We'll answer as many as we can. And if we don't manage to squeeze yours in this time, then we'll try and get to it in a future episode. Anyway, I have to say that recording like this isn't really helping me stay sane and calm. (laughs) So I'm looking at Sophie on a computer. She appears to be in a giant duvet tent. Oh, you've frozen. I don't know whether you're getting this, but you've totally frozen on my Zoom. Ah. We can hear you. There you go. Okay, you're back. You're back. Sorry, this will this will just be my very weak Wi-Fi doing this. I'm sorry, ladies. That's all right. So I'm sitting under a towel um, and I've got a picture of Sophie on her screen who looks like she's sitting under a duvet hiding. <laughs> 
Well, I actually had a lot of fun uh, with my son, Arthur, who's eight, building this recording studio. I'm actually in his bedroom. Uh, I'm sat on his bed and we've created a tent of duvets all around me. So I'm... Um, you know, well insulated. And the, the whole point of this is that we're trying without a professional setup to sound as nice to you listeners as possible. So that's why we've got cushions and teddies and duvets. And in Kate's case, a beige towel. What's with the beige, Kate? Beige towel. I think you need to up your podcast studio game a little. This is my emergency towel. I keep this for, you know, washing machine floods and so on. <laughs> painting a lovely picture. emergency. (laughs) Well, it is extreme measures, it has to be said. So, yes, I hope you'll bear with us while we iron out the kinks in this because the cushions keep falling over and it's it's not the most relaxing recording setup I've ever been in. Anyway, on with the show. So, first up on this episode, we thought we'd share our ideas and insights into how we are coping with staying in. Um, All across the world, people are socially distancing. And here in the UK, we've been asked to work from home, school our kids from home and stay indoors. And the way I'm, I mean, how are we coping? I mean, I'm just sort of making it up as quickly as I can. I think to begin with, I was completely overwhelmed by the amount of people who were suddenly telling me how to meditate, telling me how to do yoga from home, telling me I should start baking. Um, you are And not I just wrong. couldn't cope with any of that. So I've actually done a bit of social media distancing as well for a bit while I just get my head around how I am going to keep my business going and have Arthur and my husband at home too. It's all very new. So, yeah, I like you, Sophie, I've been a bit overwhelmed by the, you know, bake this, meditate that, yoga that. But equally, I did have a moment when I thought, right, I am going to come out of this. I am going to be buff because I'm going to do all my gym exercises and I'm going to eat healthily. And let's just say that hasn't quite happened. Um, I am trying to get dressed every day because that feels an important way to give some structure to the day. I'm trying not to drink too much coffee and not to look at the news too much. And, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff going round about be grateful for this, that and the other. I've pared that right down. Every day I wake up and I don't have it, I'm grateful. That'll do. (laughs) So it's all about keeping things simple, isn't it, by the sounds of things and not, I mean, I feel like there's so much to feel overwhelmed with already, completely restructuring our lives to a new way of being. Um, I guess what we're both saying is don't give yourself any extra pressure right now. And give yourself a break, I think, is really Mm. key. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't do all those things. I'm thinking that by about halfway through week three, I might make it for a stroll around the garden. But, you know, I'm not not laying myself any big challenges at this stage. Although I let you in... Yeah, go on. No, let me into your secret. Oh, well, my... One of my uh, benefits, I have to say, so um, Tom closed his building site down the other day and came home and he hasn't quite managed to unwind yet so um the fence that I've wanted to go up for the last four years got put up in two days this week (laughs) I have heard that there are apparently loads of people all over the country who have now been directed to that pot of paint to touch up the skirting boards (laughs) build the fence I um haven't actually managed to tidy my bedroom yet but you know it's on the list it's on the list small steps (laughs) 
Enough of us waffling on now about our tips and let's hand over to you. Coming up, we're doing a style surgery where lots of you have sent in voice memos just on your phones with your questions about what you want to do during this time at home. And before that, we are handing over to you, our lovely listeners, with your tips and tricks for staying sane in this weird time. So over to you, listeners. Hello Sophie and Kate, also all the lovely listeners of The Great Indoors. I am Atia. I used to live in the UK not so long ago, but I'm currently living in Iran as I'm originally Persian. As we all have to stay indoors through this unbelievable situation, I'd like to suggest to you all to go and find your old VHS and tape cassettes along with the player that is probably covered in layers of dust or forgotten in your cellar or attic. You could have such a jolly time watching videos of old weddings, family holidays, birthdays, all from years and years ago. If you can't find your old VHS or the player, you could always search for some forgotten memories in your old photo album, which you could share afterwards in a virtual gathering in a group chat. If not, why don't you make a collage with those pictures? That's it from me. Thanks. Stay safe, everyone. I love that idea of looking at old photos. That used to be my favourite thing when I was a child, actually, going through my granny's old black and white photos and finding out who the people were and listening to the stories. So I think that's a wonderful idea, Attire. And you stay safe as well, everyone in Iran. Hi, Sophie and Kate. My name is Abby and I live in London. And my tip for surviving lockdown is to wake up with a lighthearted plan for the day to give your day some structure. You could also add some new tasks to the plan to keep the days interesting and hopefully learn something new each day. Oh, I absolutely love this tip, Abby. And actually, it has been the only thing that I've managed to do so far in terms of introducing a little bit of normality into our life. So again, with my son, Arthur, we had a lot of fun working out what we wanted to do in the day. He got to put down the things that he really wanted to do every day, like play Minecraft and I got to say a few things that I want him to do like help me do the washing and the housework and feed the guinea pigs and things and it just has really helped pace the days out and yeah keep them feeling a little bit normal. Thanks so much for that, Abby. And next, we're going to hear from Michelle Agunderhin, who is a television presenter of Interior Design Masters and who also has a new book out coming at the end of April, I think, called Happy Inside. So if anyone knows what to suggest, I'm guessing it would be Michelle. Hi, everyone. My top tip is that no matter how exhausted or dispirited you might feel at the end of each day, is to whip round and have a good old tidy. Crumbs off the sofa, dishes into the dishwasher, everything wiped down and clean, maybe even the dining table laid for breakfast. But it just means that when you wake up the next day, you really can feel like you're starting a new day, a new opportunity to kind of seize the moment and make the best of it all. Okay, so that's us told then. Time to get tidy. I mean, that is something that I must admit I find a bit of a challenge, but I think that is a top bit of advice. Something to aim for. Yeah, in between the meditations and the yoga workouts and the baking. (laughs) Yeah, that'd do it. (laughs) Hi, Sophie and Kate. I really love your podcast and I thought I'd send you a little tip. 
So rather than bowling in and making lots of mess across your entire house, I'd suggest splitting down your jobs over the next few weeks and trying to do one thing at a time. Um, first off on my list is a new headboard that I'm going to recover and then I've got lots of other things planned for the coming weeks but I think we need to spread this out because I don't think we're going to be going out for a while anyway stay safe bye hi I'm Nicola from Sheffield and one of my tips is to bring some of the outdoors in so if you have got any um, flowers in the garden at the moment so like some daffodils or some tulips we've got a lovely camellia just grab a vase or anything that you've got lying around that you can pop a bit of water in um, snip a few lovely blooms out of the garden and pop them inside absolutely adore this one nicole and i'm really blessed that i live in the countryside and it is looking gorgeous at the moment with all the spring flowers coming out and indeed just getting outside and breathing in some fresh air is so important and yeah i know not all of our listeners are going to be as lucky as we are to be situated in the countryside or indeed even have a garden um And so there's this really brilliant little podcast that we discovered called Field Recordings. So if you're missing that connection to the outside, I really recommend tuning into that. I've actually got a really random one because I discovered this morning I have a sea salt spray for my hair to stop it going frizzy and it really smells like the sea. (laughs) So I'm just spraying it about and it makes me feel better. But on a more serious note, if you don't have any outside space or any sea salt spray, you know, do take a few minutes to at least sit by the window, open the window and breathe in the air. And there are other tips like put plants next to the window or if you're allowed and you've got a bit of leftover paint, just paint round the edge of the window frame in yellow or green paint and it will look like sunshine or green. And, you know, you can always paint over it when this is over, but that might just help. (laughs) Bit of extreme decorating advice. Yeah, exactly. So next up, we've got Rachel Koo, who was another one of our most loved guests on the podcast at the end of last year. She is a TV presenter and chef and all round good egg. My top tip for staying in would be to dust off those cookbooks you have on the bookshelf. Find something which inspires you and take the time to try it out. You know, learn a new recipe. This is a fantastic opportunity to get cooking in the kitchen when you have some time. Enjoy. We have been using this opportunity to sort of cook meals together and trying not to waste any food as well, which is always really good. So I actually made potato crisps out of uh, potato peelings the other day. It worked really well. (laughs) It was good fun. Hi, my name is Sam from Eastbourne. My 13-year-old daughter has a desk area in her bedroom, which she is obviously using quite a lot at the moment. And so using some tester pots of paint, she's been keeping herself really busy in the afternoons after a bit of schoolwork, um, painting some geometric shapes on the wall. She's chosen all the colours herself and it's looking really great and she's really, really pleased with it. Thanks. What a brilliant idea. And I'm always on the bandwagon when it comes to getting the kids involved with decorating and DIY and especially doing up their rooms. And so I'd encourage anybody else to do the same. Um, Let 
kids have an input into giving their rooms a bit of refresh. And yeah, I mean, how resourceful having a dig around looking for leftover tins of paint or old tester pots. All you need is a roll of masking tape and literally you're good to go. And actually, I've got some chalk paint stacked up that I can't wait to get stuck into with Arthur because chalk paint's really quick and easy to use, especially for furniture makeovers. And it's really safe for children. It's a safe paint to use. And on that note... Of course, we had to hear from the Queen of Chalk Paint herself, Annie Sloan. I'm into week two of me being at home. At first, I relaxed, I caught up, did some business, cooked more than usual, read a bit, watched all the Netflix I wanted to do. Now I'm like, what can I do? And so now my eyes are all over the house. I need to bring it all together with colour, and that's what I always work with, colour, colour, colour. Um, First thing I'm doing is doing the piano, and I'm going to repaint the table, the dining table. Not quite right, it's a bit dark and a bit strong. So all of that is lightening and brightening. And then I might do a big, at the moment it's Empress Silk, quite a strong red colour, which I waxed, really beautiful, but slightly too strong for the room. So now I'm going to do a wash of burgundy all over it. Anyway, that's what I'm doing. Paint, paint, paint. Uh, and of course, yes, and carry on cooking. I did my first lot of scones last uh, last night for the first time for many, many a long time. Gosh, I'm afraid it's been years. I'm embarrassed to say that. Well, I'm really embarrassed to say I've never made scones. Or is it scones? I never can work out it that It is one not scones. <laughs> Scones. Well, I've never made either scones scones or scones. Scones, (laughs) and I've never made them either. But I tell you who will have made them is our next clip, Laura Jackson, TV presenter, supper club host. She also has a podcast called Hosting with a tricky E in the middle and, of course, did one of our favourite ever house tours on the podcast a few months ago. Hello, Kate and Sophie at the Great Indoors podcast. It's Laura Jackson here. I have been... um, just rearranging my furniture and looking at what I've got at the house and how I can use it. So moving around my sofa and and a chair, I've been reorganising my bookshelves. I think it's just having a look at what we've got and how we can reinvent it or give it a new lease of life, restyle it, um, because we're going to be spending a bit more time at home. Well, that's lovely to know that Laura is busying herself rearranging furniture and restyling because last time we caught up with her, she still had the builds in. So I'm sure it's all looking really, really gorgeous. Our next clip comes all the way from Colorado. Hello, this is Sarah Murtaugh calling. Um, I would love to contribute a little um, tip, if you will, during these darker times. It started out as an art project for my son. I brought out the primary colours of Crayola paint and a little poster board and he went at it and dipped his fingers in and made circles. He loves to make circles. So I pulled out the pinks and the purples and the teals and the oranges and the art that came out of it was a beautiful, abstract, bright painting. Um, My husband and I dipped our fingers in. Um, The only person in our home that did not contribute a paw was our little golden retriever, Sunny. When it dried, it was even more beautiful and so bright. And I thought, let's definitely put this in the gilt frame that is above our piano. I couldn't love it more. Every time I look at it, I think of the memory we had. Another great thing is it pulls in colors from our rugs and colors from little vases and things around our house, which is a good thing because we have gray walls. Um, Don't worry. We've got lots of color. Thanks to you guys um, for the red thread tip. Love the podcast. Keep it going. Be well. Be safe. Bye-bye. 
And if you'd like to see what it looks like, Sarah has posted a picture on the Great Indoors Facebook group, so do go and check it out. And of course, you can also follow us on Instagram, where I'm Mad About the House and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. Now, coming up, we are going to get into a style surgery answering your questions, but um, I just need to stretch my elbow out from holding the phone because I've got (laughs) cramp. (laughs) How's your duvet house going, Sophie? Yeah, I think I'm probably a lot more comfortable than you are, but I am sitting sort of cross-legged and crouched. I'd be much happier if I was the size of an eight-year-old. This would be a much better (laughs) den to be in. (laughs) So I'm getting a little bit of neck and hip ache. We should also point out that we've had to abandon the video call because our Wi-Fis weren't up to it. It's proper radio training. Maybe we should go on Radio 4 after this. Do you think they'll have us? (laughs) They've had us. They've had us. Don't you remember this week? We got an amazing shout-out as one of the best podcasts to listen to uh, during this staying in time. So we got an incredible like gold seal of approval from Radio 4. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't got that printed and on your mantle, Kate. Are you saying I haven't? You can't <laughs> see my mantle because I'm under a towel. <laughs> I think it's time to go on to the style surgery. And this is where we've picked as many as we can of your questions and voice clips that you sent in to us. And we will try and provide some answers for you. Q Tamsin. Can I say run VT? I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> oh, it's not a V, is it? It's your podcast. There's no video. No. <laughs> what do you say when there's no video? Run T. Run T. <laughs> Tamsin. <laughs> Hi, Sophie and Kate. Um, this is Tamsin speaking. How can we refresh our interiors using what we have at home? I live in France and everything's closed down for several weeks and uh, I have an opportunity to change the interiors so that we can feel different and revived in our homes and also people will see a difference when they come and stay with us. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is a question for all of us, isn't it? How can we refresh our homes without shopping? And as somebody said to me the other day, for many people, they're looking at their homes in daylight for the first time in living memory because they always go out to work. So uh, it's it's all a bit strange for all of us. I think, first of all, there's a tip called kind of shopping your home. So move things around maybe from different rooms, maybe swap the pictures around or maybe take one sort of object or vase that you might have in one room and put it in another one. And that starts to make it feel a bit fresher and you don't actually have to spend any money at that point swapping chairs and furniture around. Yeah, I mean, I know on Instagram, a few people have been doing things like colour coding their library books and things like that to help pass the time. (laughs) It's not that desperate. People, it is not that desperate. Stand down from the colour coordinating the bookshelves. (laughs) But I've, uh, I mean, I've had a bit of a rejuge in my um, shelves. And and also just sometimes we can find that we've got a little bit too much clutter and it might be just like, do I really need all those pottery projects that Arthur's made over the last eight years all huddled onto one shelf. It's time to kind of have a little re-edit. Playing with fire there, mate. He doesn't know. They're in a shoebox now. 
<laughs> so, yes, I think the sort of takeaway from that, Tamsin, and, and anyone else is just kind of moving things around. I mean, you know, not everyone can move their furniture around because sometimes rooms just don't allow for that. I mean, I know I've only got one space in my sitting room where the sofa can go. But, you know, swapping the cushions, maybe seeing if you can flip the coffee table around in a different direction or something like that, just to make it feel a little bit different. A change as good as a rest, as they say. Absolutely. I might even get my sewing machine out. I've had a sewing machine that I haven't got out of the cupboard, oh, I'd say over 10 years. I've also got a stash of um, remnant fabrics because I'm just such a terrible hoarder. So I might even get into making some napkins or some fresh table runners or even tackle a cushion cover. So there are things you can sometimes do with stuff you've got lying around. Look out for the Instagram live tutorial, people. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Let's come back to Ollie, who contacted us at the top of the show with this idea of, you know, what to do when you're living and working in the same small space. Um, And one thing I used to do, I've obviously worked at home from the kitchen table for nearly 20 years now. And what I used to do was have all my work stuff in one of the kids' empty toy boxes that I just used to empty out. And I would have in there paperwork, uh, my mug, my pens, my notebooks, all that kind of stuff. And then I would lay that on the table to do the day's work. And when I'd finished working, I could just stick it all back in that box and then the kids could have tea on the table. So I think trying to make that difference there between the two spaces... If the table you're working at perhaps has a drawer in it, then at the end of the day, put your laptop in that drawer and shut it so you're not looking at it again. And likewise, notebook and pens. And then maybe, you know, rearrange that table with a plant on it or some flowers if you've got any or anything that makes it feel more homely. And I think do that as well at the weekend. Try and put the work stuff literally out of sight, out of mind and put nice happy things up at the weekend so that you can try and, you know, make a difference in mood between work and home if it's all happening in the same space. Hi, Kate and Sophie. It's April here. Do you have any ideas for manageable interiors projects I could do while I'm stuck at home for 12 weeks with my four-year-old and my two-year-old? I'm loving the show and I'm sending you all the best from sunny Cheshire. I think for me, my biggest advice is just not to hold on to the fact that your home's going to look pristine and Instagram ready every set of the day. I mean, one thing Arthur and I used to love to do was to create den. I say used to do. I mean, we're still doing it, literally creating dens. You're in at one home. now. I know. <laughs> So, yeah, we used to do a thing called cushion avalanche, which was where I'd get all the cushions. And I, to be fair, do have quite a lot of them. All the cushions off all the sofas, even sometimes the pillows off the bed and uh, create a huge avalanche that would cover the kids and then they'd try and break out. And that used to just create no end of fun. So I'm sorry my tip isn't very kind of like interior design friendly. It's probably creating even more mess. But all I'm going to say, April, is just absolutely go with it and see your home as an extension of the playing ground for a short part of the day. I know one thing we did when the boys were quite small, they must have been about four and six, and I wanted to paint. Uh, We had a little loo next to the bathroom in our last house. And I thought, well, this, you know, how difficult can it be? They can paint a wall. Oh, my God. Um, You know, two and four, they can't paint a wall. It was a disaster. So what we did after that was we got lots and lots of their pictures that they were sort of avalanching back from nursery and drawing all day. And we stuck them all over the wall and kind of, you know, then varnished over them. So we made sort of loo wallpaper 
out of all their pictures. And then every time they did a new one, I just stuck it on top. So maybe you could get them involved in in doing something like that. There's also another lovely um, Instagram feed that I enjoy looking at called The Joy Journal, which has got lots of lovely, crafty, nature-inspired activities to do with kids. And even though I don't have a two and a four-year-old, I still like looking at her Instagram feed. (laughs) Just really (laughs) lovely and calming and cute. Right, moving on again to Andrew in Colchester, who will also have a very common problem, I think, and that's touching up paint in a rented flat. I'm basically moving out of my house soon and trying to be nice to the next person to come in and rent it. I've been touching up some paintwork and I've got, I know this is bad, but a couple of feature walls. That's all I've been allowed while renting. And it's like a slate grey colour. So I've been trying to patch it up a little bit, just where it's been marked and scuffed over years and I use the same paint that I used originally but obviously it's lightened over time so now the patches I've put the paint on are really dark and it looks horrible. Can I just add a bit of white into the grey paint and try that that or do I have to repaint the whole thing or is there another way? I don't know. Please help. Sophie you're queen of paint. Can he just touch up that no, wall? No, no, schoolboy error. No, it just doesn't work, especially with dark coloured paint. Um, quite often paint does slightly fade over time, especially if it's had the sunlight hitting it. And so trying to touch it in doesn't always work. So he's not going to like this bit of advice, but you've actually got to get another tin of paint and just roll out the whole wall. But it's a really quick job to do and you probably only need one coat. You might even only need a litre of paint. Sophie's going to say change the colour as well while you're at it, but it's rented, so maybe <laughs> yeah. you're not allowed what to. Yeah, colour Was it grey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Andrew, this is your opportunity. <laughs> I can't believe else. you missed that. <laughs> Hi, Sophie and Kate. Uh, my name is Inez from Rugby. Um, basically, I've got an ensuite shower that's about 154 by 184 centimetres, so it's not very big. It was put in 10 years ago and it leaks into the kitchen below it and we've tried to sort it out but it's all got to come out now so I'm looking at new ideas I am thinking of having sort of in the shower area itself having traditional pink metro tiles in a herringbone pattern and then having larger white rectangle ones around the rest of the room and then I also like the look of the girl with the green sofa has some beautiful um, Parisian bistro tiles on the floor they're like sort of a black and white pattern but my question is is that going to be too much going on do you think is that a bit too much pattern and different styles in one room very much like to hear your thoughts Oh, I think this is a tricky one. I always think you have to be careful about not having too many different tiles going on in a small space because it can end up looking a bit too jazzy. And the idea of having a herringbone layout next to a large scale format next to a pattern tile, I I think Innes is right to be concerned. I'm not sure. (laughs) What do you mean you're not sure? Come on, get off the fence, Watson Smythe. What do you mean? Well, I think if the colours all go together, I think it might be fine. I mean, sometimes, you know, just go bold. So it's pink pink metro tiles and larger white rectangle ones. 
what? And then some black and white bistro. I mean, all those colours go, you know, it's black and white essentially with a bit of pink. Yeah, but there's a lot of different like jaunty angles going on. You think of all the different grout lines. You've got three different grout lines going on. Large scale rectangles, small square on the floor. Yeah, I think that's a really key point, actually. I think that's one thing to remember. I'm a big fan of mixing tiles um, and different shapes and different patterns. But think of the grout, people. Think of the grout. (laughs) That probably could be too much. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe um, consider having your, because it sounds like your heart's really fallen in love with the pink metro tiles and the herringbone. So maybe think about having that in your shower area. And indeed the black and white on the floor and then maybe just paint the walls a pink to match in with the tile and visually that'll help make the room feel a bit bigger there'll be a less different colors and blocks of color and surfaces to look at and the other thing you can remember if you keep the sort of hard surfaces to maybe two colors or or three you can bring in a bit more pattern or vary it with the towels so you could have deep pink towels or black towels or something and that's another way of perhaps bringing a bit more in without having too much kind of grout or different shaped tiles I I don't think Innes has got a problem with too much going on (laughs) 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 but it sounds gorgeous Innes it sounds really lovely and I think you know you've obviously had a bit of a shock that you've got to redo uh, your shower room it's expensive and if you really love it and it makes your heart quicken then go for it Hi ladies, Uh, my name is Jo. I have just bought a two bedroom uh, mid-terraced house in Plumstead in South East London. I moved in three weeks before the lockdown was announced. (laughs) Timing. I guess my question is, I have a dado rail halfway up my hallway. I would really like to paint a bold dark colour either above or below the dado rail and a lighter colour, probably white, where there is no colour. Should the dark colour be underneath the dado rail or above the dado rail? I would really appreciate your thoughts. Thank you so much. So there's a lot of talk about halls, actually. It's such a key space because obviously it's the first thing you see when you come in. And I really like the idea of doing two different colours on the wall. But I'm going to say, Joe, put the dark colour at the bottom. Now, this is firstly, for a practical reason, it stops it making you feel like the walls are coming down on you. But also the dark colour at the bottom means, you know, you can hide those scuffs from school bags or bikes or muddy shoes or whatever so dark at the bottom to kind of ground it and then go lighter over the dado rail and up over the ceiling so you will blur those edges between wall and ceiling the fewer colors you've got in that space the calmer and the wider it would feel and again match the doors to the lower half of the wall as well. So you get a sort of continuous feel all the way along. Yeah, so do what you're saying is, is the skirting, the architrave and the doors all in the yeah. dark colour. That'd be lovely. And if you're nervous about having two different colours, anyone else who's listening, then what you can do is the lower half of the wall in gloss paint, which or is... In a, or I, in an eggshell. It's my turn on the microphone. <laughs> I'm going completely gloss on the lower half, which is a nightmare to paint, but it will look like lacquer and it's wipe clean and it's really practical. And then do a super matte in the same colour on the top half. And that looks very cool. That's like the same colour, but playing on the different textures. So yeah. what the bottom half will really reflect the light and the other half will be matte. That's lovely. I love that idea. It works well with dark colours, not so well with light colours, that effect. And isn't technically answering the question either, but you know... <laughs> 
Anything else? Have you finished? No, I've finished on hauls now. Oh, but we have another haul question. Hi, girls. It's Mary here from Westmeath in Ireland. My dilemma is my hallway. My kitchen has been redone and I'm going to have white in it. It's a greyish pink white with a butcher's block, which will be visible from my hall door. To the left of the hall is my sitting room, which will be similar to silt in little green. So I'm struggling with a suitable colour to blend between the two. If you have a solution, it would be brilliant. My advice really when you're looking to use different colours in different spaces that ultimately link together is to just to make sure there's a harmony between those colours. So something needs to sit in between the greyish pink and the greyish mud colour. So clues in the name, you're going to be looking at another greyish colour. But it could be anything. It could be a green, it could be a blue, it could be another neutral. Um, I think the tip is to keep the same tone of colour. So, for example, in my house, I've got a very, very deep, rich blue colour, but that links with all the other colours that I have in my home, which are also very, very rich and very, very bright. So as long as you've got a family of colours that sit together, you can pretty much have any colour you like. And perhaps what you could do is you could bring the silt colour from the walls of the sitting room and, you know, we all know you've done your skirting boards to match. Bring the skirting boards in silt from the sitting room out into the hall and running over to the kitchen so that you're linking those two spaces. And then perhaps if you have something on the butcher's block or something in the kitchen that is a similar colour to that silt, which can just link the two spaces, a window frame that's that colour or, you know, if you're standing there, look at what you can see from one to the other and then take the colour through. And that's that's a lovely idea. I mean, I'm thinking similarly, you could bring in some artwork or some vases or a lamp in the greyish yeah. pink colour in your hallway to pull that colour in through the kitchen. So you're sort of saying it's like they sort of meld in the middle, if you like, the, the yeah. silt and the pink meld in the hallway. Oh, that's quite nice. Melding. It's a whole new Melding. Is that term. even a word? I don't know, but I'm I'm running with it. Are you looking it up now? Are you looking up on Google to see that I'm actually No, I can't have got enough hands. I'm sitting under a towel. <laughs> I can't look things up. <laughs> Mind you, the towel's turning out to be quite practical to mop the sweat from my brow. Oh, um, and enough. <laughs> Hi, Kate and Sophie and Vicky from London. Do you have any tips on how to mix different woods together in a lounge? I've got a white gloss coffee table, but I'm keen to mix it with different woods in the room. Loving the podcast. Thank you. So, Vicky, this is a question I get asked a lot about mixing different woods. And this is, you know, partly because we all shop at different times. You know, we don't buy everything for our houses all at the same time. So there's bound to be different colours coming in and different periods of furniture. So, you know, the first thing to look at is the colours of the wood you've got. A walnut is quite pinky, whereas a pine will be a bit more yellowy or orangey. So, you know, those two might have a fight. Try and keep them apart. If you've got bigger bits of furniture, so for example, you've got a wooden floor, perhaps stripped floorboards with a wooden dining room table, then, you know, a big rug will always break up a fight. So that's another thing you can do. Um, but mostly it's about looking at the different tones, you know, very dark wood, that sort of Victorian dark wood, pretty much likes everything. It's like black, but it's when you get into kind of oaks and walnuts that you need to look at it in more detail and, you know, take it out of that room if it doesn't work and shop your home from earlier, put it in a different space. 
Hello Kate and Sophie, this is Joyce from Belgium speaking. I'm doing a bathroom renovation and I have been doubting for ages whether to take white uh, subway metro tiles, glossy ones, or whether to take uh, the leashes. Maybe you guys can help me out. Well, personally, I think if you are considering Zalij, then you should absolutely go for them. This is a very kind of classic artisan Moroccan uh, tile. And they have such a beautiful glaze with real depth and interest. They're absolutely stunning. So for me, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, they are a lot more of a hassle to lay. And one thing you must make sure your tiler understands is Zalish tiles aren't supposed to have any thick grout lines in between them. They're battered up really tightly to one another. So it's a really different option to the classic uh, subway. I don't even feel like they're an either-or. And I, I personally feel the white subway metro tile has pretty much had its day. So, yeah, let's move it on, Joyce. Well, um, yes, I mean, if you can afford the Zellige tiles, fantastic. And, the, you know, the grout is a real key point. So maybe Inez needs to think about that when she wants all her different tiles, maybe having Zellige tiles that don't need grout. I think Sophie's harsh. I'm not sure that white subway tiles have had their day. I think laying them, you know, in herringbone or vertically in different ways is a way to mix it up because they are fantastically affordable and they are a classic. So funnily enough, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Sophie. It's been a while. <laughs> Can you tell? I'm getting a bit feistier the more time I stay under the towel. <laughs> Quick, let's motor on. Hello, lovely ladies. My name's Sarah Aubrey. I live in Sydney, Australia. Um, I've committed, I guess, a design crime in your eyes in that I have grey walls. And I was just wondering about what colour to repaint my study. I've actually painted the wall outside my study in a geometric pattern, pink, a couple of greens and a grey and a sort of white. And I've got sort of dark red Afghan rugs on the floor. And I do have another design crime, which is a painted picture rail, white and white doors and white windows, which I would like to keep. What colour should I paint my walls? Oh, Sarah Aubrey, you sound like you're quite stressed out with your design crimes. I don't know where to go with this. If you like grey walls and curtains, you can have them. Now, asking somebody, you know, what colour to paint your study out of all the colours is is quite tricky. I mean, all those colours you've listed there, you know, pink, green, grey and white, they all kind of go. So, um... I mean, your your white dado rail doors and windows, you want to keep them. You see, I was, I was going to say that would be the bit I would change, Sophie. Obviously, you're not moved by the grey. It's clearly not ticking your box. I mean, the fact that you've gone and put um, this fantastic pink green sort of like um, geometric mural outside your window tells me that you're probably a little bit more into colour and the grey is just making you feel a bit meh. So I'd take a bit more inspiration, maybe from those gorgeous dark red Afghan rugs you've got on the floor and think of a colour that's going to create more of a mood in the space. Now, you say it's a study. Um, as anyone who will be a regular listener to the podcast or follow me on Instagram knows that I painted my study white, thinking that that was going to create the feeling of sort of peace and calm and clarity that I crave in my workspace, when actually the complete opposite occurred and maybe this is what's happening for you Sarah with your grey walls and instead I've gone for the most over-the-top 
bonkers, maximalist, psychedelic wallpaper. And I couldn't be happier. So I think really, you know, especially when it's in our workspaces, don't always just go to the boring colour thinking that's the sensible choice. And actually, if it's a room you do spend a lot of time in, like I do, think about how you want to feel in the space. And for me, I just wanted to feel really uplifted, really happy, really energised. And in my case, that took a really leery wallpaper. But for you, Sarah, I think you're going to have to work out what it is that you really love. You need to work out what are you doing in this room and therefore what sort of mood do you need to be in in order to achieve what it is you need to do in there. And then you can start looking at colours and patterns that make you feel that way. So do, by all means, you know, scroll through Instagram, through Pinterest and analyse your reactions to rooms that you're seeing on there so that you can work out what you like. You know, Sophie needs to feel energised in a working space. I need to feel calm. So, you know, it's all about you. I think you need you need to feel regal, don't you, Kate? You've got a gold leaf ceiling in your office. What does that say about you? Darling, <laughs> I don't need a gold ceiling to make me feel regal. Oh, do you know what as well? I have to share this with you, Kate. I did my first um, online workout today with this lady who's weight training workouts I really like. She's called Team Yo, people. She's brilliant. You can find her on Facebook. Anyway, she's got a gold ceiling in her living room and she was influenced by you no less gold ceilings have been rolled out across the land and now i even get to do my weight training workout watching someone under a gold ceiling i love it i might even tune in tomorrow then (laughs) and our last question for now because it's hot in this towel um is from chloe in san francisco and she's 14 thanks so much for getting in touch with us chloe and what a way to end the show let's hear what she had to say Hi, my name is Chloe, and I have a lot of decor pieces that I like, but I'm not sure how to, like, style them on deeper areas. So if you could answer that, that would be great. Thank you. So what you're talking about here, Chloe, in the interior design business, we call this a tablescape. And this is a a way of arranging the items that you have in your home in a really pleasing and organised way. So here are my tips on creating your tablescape. This could be on a deep shelf, on a sideboard, on a chest of drawers or a console table. First of all, you want to make sure that the items that you're displaying are different heights. So you might have a tall vase or a lamp or an ornament but make sure the pieces go from really really high all the way down to quite some little things as well like little trinket boxes can be really good so think about the scale of the items and get a good mix Um, the next thing you want to do is kind of group them together rather than having them spread out evenly across your surface I think it's really nice to try and work in a kind of like triangle shape to one side so you might group your items to favour the left or favour the right hand side and then the other thing to think about is arranging your items from front to back so some of those smaller items maybe picture frames uh, the trinket boxes I mentioned in the foreground and then have your taller items towards the back of the deep shelf so that your lamps or candlesticks and another nice little tip actually is to prop up a picture or a mirror in the background and that can be a really nice way to frame your display. Oh, and uh, and also the odd number rule. I forgot to mention that, I think. Just for whatever reason, I don't know, but odd numbers seem to always work better than even numbers. So I think that is all we can cover today, but we will be doing this again as a regular style surgery segment on each episode. So do please continue to send us your design dilemmas and tips. All you need to do is record a voice memo 
of your query on your smartphone, which is super easy to do, and send it to thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. And we've put that and a little instruction on how you record a voice memo and email it over on our Facebook group, which is, of course, The Great Indoors Podcast. And don't forget, there will be more on the blogs where I'm madaboutthehouse.com and she's sophierobinson.co.uk. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new series, that's Series 7, starting on the 16th of April. And we know this has been a bit of a different kind of episode, so do please let us know what you think of it by leaving a review on your podcast app. We're still finding our feet a bit in this new normal, so thanks for bearing with us, and we will be with you from our towels and duvet dens in a couple of weeks, as usual. (laughs) As usual as it can be. But for now, I'd like to say an extra special thank you to our amazing producer, Kate Taylor, who is somehow making all this happen under these lockdown times and more than ever a huge thank you to all of you who have sent us your voice memos you've left us reviews posted on the facebook group and left us those comments on instagram which really have buoyed us up especially in these times of isolation it's human connection that we need and we treasure all of you stay safe everyone and we'll see you in the great indoors I can't hear her. Okay, is it me that's gone or Sophie? She gone. Can anybody hear me? She's perspired. She's gone up in a puff of perspiration.